Last time on Colony Confidential. I'm going to suggest to everyone that your recruiting function stays on the program, no matter if we're in slack time, seasonal lows, crisis mode, whatever we are, that we have a plan in place and we stick to that plan regardless of where we are in the year. So it means that we've got to take ourselves out of the organization for a bit and really put our strategic hats on to think about what do we want to be when we grow up? What do we want to look like next year? And then building in, baking in that infrastructure that lives with you throughout your highs and your lows and things that you can depend upon. Because the last thing that you want to have happen is you find yourself needing to hire either because of growth or because of attrition and things like that. And you're in the middle of it. Plus you're busy doing your work. And then you have to think about recruiting because bringing people in for a recruiting function takes time, right? And then that's another interesting factoid. Women have fallen out of the workforce more than men during, during this whole COVID crisis. And in probably in lasting ways, all of the strides that women have made in the workforce is poised to be erased with just living through the COVID crisis. And so you have a lot of people who may show up on the unemployment rolls, but they've checked out and they're like, I'm not coming back into the workforce. So you got to be real careful with some of those numbers, thinking that those people are automatically available because they're not always. Here's one of the questions from one of our listeners saying, I personally like screening people with a Zoom interview. Are there any techniques to conducting a great interview virtually? I think the biggest thing is your attitude because there needs to be some grace. Not everybody's technology works all the time and it's going to create some awkward moments. It's going to create some frustration probably, but that's interesting. How do they deal with that frustration? If you're interviewing somebody, that gives you a little bit of insight into somebody right there. But I think it's um, incumbent upon you, if you want to have the best experience, is to prep your candidates for it. So tell them what technologies you're going to use. Tell them how it's going to connect and all that sort of stuff so that they can try to get in alignment with whatever it is that you're trying to do. So definitely around that whole idea, maybe give them a bit of an agenda so that they know what to expect. But I think the pros of doing at least initial interviewing that way, obviously it's cheaper. It's easier to coordinate. People don't have to try to get in their car, drive over, do what, whatever to be able to be there. And that's the first cursory interview. It's better than doing it over the phone because you can actually interact with the person, see them a little bit. I'll just say this. You can also see their backgrounds and that sort of thing, what's important to them, or you get some little clues about the individual. But I think just being prepared for that mentally, as well as with technology, is probably um, the best. And then also, as much as you can do to try to prep the candidate so that they have an expectation of what the agenda is, who's going to be on the call, who are they supposed to be looking at, who are they supposed to be responding to, who's driving the bus, if you will, for the interviews, because that's awkward. I don't know. I'm looking at the camera, but am I supposed to pay homage to you or to him or to what, you know, helping them with those sorts of things. So it's just those Zoom tips that you get for any kind of a meeting over Zoom that I think set you up for for more success, but I'm a huge believer in it. And we've done hiring for some of our clients that get this. Nobody ever saw them. It was all virtual interviews until the day they showed up for work. And we were successful. That's not hard to believe. I think that Mm -hmm. pivoting to a lot of this virtual stuff, even before this, people were doing a lot of Skype as the initial interview. What hiring methods are working the best right now? If I was to advocate for doing things, it's to be out there with your message and whatever format that takes. But knowing who it is that you're looking for, 
what's their personality? Where do they hang out? Where do they, what do they do? And making sure that you're getting that message in front of that particular place. Are they on social media? Are they hanging out at certain locations? But making sure that wherever they are is where your message is showing up. And if you're hiring, let people know that you're hiring because so many people aren't hiring. And so if you can be out there with your message, I would also say that I think this is going to be a hygiene factor for all employees as they look at new employers. What did you do during the pandemic? How did you treat your employees? And being able to tell that story as part of the package of we didn't lay anybody off. We sent food to everybody's house for three weeks or whatever we might have done. Be able to articulate that, get that message out there, I think is going to be super important. And how people are going to evaluate what did you think of your employees and how did you treat them during this time? Because I think we've all come to the conclusion that this isn't our last rodeo. Things like this will start to happen. So how do we take care of our people? That really speaks to team engagement, employee engagement. We spoke earlier about how employee engagement is down according to a ton of statistics. Mm -hmm. People are stressed. People are afraid. One of the main questions is where to start really with employee engagement. In the past, we've done monthly meetups, whether it was a happy hour, bowling, some types of sporting tournament. They were all in person. These aren't really sustainable right right now. So what's your advice? So I'm going to say, yeah, you maybe can't do the big things. You maybe can't do the things in person, but you can still check in with your people. You can still get in front of them and and really do an honest check. So I, I think one of the things that we saw early on in the pandemic as people who weren't used to working in more re- remote environments or weren't used to being as dispersed in office as they used to be, we found two kinds of managers. We found the one that was checking in every seven minutes with their people to see what they're doing because I can't trust them because I can't see them. Or we had the ones that just went missing in action. That maybe when we were all in an office, they were down the hall. We knew they were there. We never checked in with them. We didn't need them. But now that we can't see them and we can't walk past their door, are they even there? What are they doing? Are they, do they care what's going on with me? So again, it goes back to those relationships. How would you want to be treated? And doing those things, but staying in front of them is important. So does that mean making a phone call after hours? How are you doing? How's your family doing? What obstacles are you up against right now? How can I help? What do you expect? Because those expectations unmet, it's where the problems start. So doing those more one-on-one type things can be in person, can be over the Zoom, can be over the phone. Maybe it's just a text every once in a while, but just know that it makes it hard on the owners and managers. We've got to work harder. We've got to work longer hours. We've got to do more because it needs to be a little bit more individualized. So I think that just checking in with people, understanding that people dealt with this pandemic in a lot of different ways. Some people are like, it's fake, it's not real, whatever. Other people are scared to death and it's everything in between. And so just knowing how your employees are dealing with it, maybe they have other issues that they don't feel like they can bring their whole selves to work. Maybe they've got aging parents that are living with them or something like that. And, and they're, they're truly scared, not for themselves, they're scared for what they might bring home. Um, to their family or something like that. So just understanding where they sit and getting in the weeds with them, I think is critical. Just knowing that you value me and that you're checking in with me to take uh, those extra steps. And then you can still do fun things. Maybe they have to be over Zoom or you have to do them in smaller groups. We did a thing where there's an app on your phone. It's called Charity Miles. And I'm not advocating necessarily for that app. I'm sure there's other ones, but that's one that we happen to pick. 
And because we couldn't be together hanging out all the time, we started to get competitive. We made a team and we walked. So that was good for our wellness, right? You could ride a bike in a gym or whatever. We became competitive with one another, but in our efforts, we were raising money for a charity because every mile that you walk, money gets donated. So you can look for efforts like that, that still compel people, still keep them connected to each other and, and maybe add a little competition to it, but you don't necessarily have to, to be all together in the same place. We yeah. actually struggled with whether or not we were going to do our holiday dinner. But we are a little bit unique because all of our team, basically, we ask them every day to go out in the field. Some of them service hospitals with COVID mm-hmm. units. And it was just one of those things like, we're going to do the holiday dinner because we can't ask them to go out every day and right. cancel the dinner because of what they're fighting every day. And we are pivoting to, like you said, some Zoom events or some virtual events, trying to get those in the works for them. But yeah, it, the, the engagement piece was difficult enough without COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen some clever ideas for those places that have people checking in, like your guys have to get their the stuff on their trucks and that sort of thing. But maybe you don't want to have them all in the office at the same time. or You don't want to have some big all hands meeting or something like that. Maybe a post-it note wall where you're leaving information up for them. They can leave things for each other. They walk by it. They're not in the same room at the same time, but they're sharing thoughts, ideas, sentiments, whatever it might be, but a way to communicate with each other and and maybe not be in the same room at the same time and doing all those things for people like for your customers that are frontline. If we can give back, it, it helps the person giving as much as it helps the people who are on the receiving end. And so creating events that have a purposeful philanthropic kind of idea and also benefit your customers at the same time, that's a triple win. There's different levels of employees. And I think we covered the general, but what can you do for the best employees? Like key guys, I know what I did, bonuses. And I found the one thing that was better than money is you give them a trip to Puerto Rico for a week with their wife and you pay for the hotel and the airfare. So the money they're going to spend, but right. the wife ain't going to let them forget the about that trip. Right? I think what I did is not only did you get this guy to stay, but you influence somebody who was very influential in his life. Not a bad deal. To your point, in engaging with the people who are most important to your employees, like at the holidays, send a letter to the other people in the family of the individual. Hey, thanks. I know, especially during the COVID, I know it's been a crazy time. It's been a scary time. Thank you for supporting our efforts and that sort of thing. Talk to them. That could be helpful. But I don't want to be glib about your question. But I would say to keep my high potential employees, I'd ask them, why did you come to my company? Why do you stay at my company? And what can I do to appeal to you? Because trust me, you want to send me on a trip? I'm all there for you. But other people might want other things. So you have to think about an individualized approach, if you will, to really speaking into those high potential employees. And and it's crazy, but just ask them, what, what, what's it going to take? What are you looking for? What do I mean to you? And how do I, how do I, I keep you here? What makes you happy? So Sheehan, that ties into the internal net promoter score, where you ask the right questions and you can even ask. So some of the questions that we've asked in the past are, what motivates you? Money, time off, praise, because you want to get all that feedback from them. The only downside to that sometimes is that the net promoter score for the team 
is anonymous at times, but you can get an idea and then you could talk about it. And the key for us is letting them understand that you really are trying to make their work life better. Yeah. You got to build the trust. But I was having a conversation with a client at one point and he shared a little story about he had a good employee, but all of a sudden attendance became an issue, wasn't quite on when she got to work in the morning. Like it was, it took her a little while to get engaged with what was going on. It was bizarre behavior for, for him. He was like, I, I just really didn't know. And I let it persist. And then I would have conversations with her about tardiness and all that sort of stuff. But I would just be talking at her, right? You can't be late like that. You can't do this. You can't do that. And then finally, it dawned on him to ask the question, why is this happening all of a sudden? Why are you late? And in those conversations, he learned that she was an avid runner. He had no idea. And that she was actually training for a marathon type thing. But because she was tied to a certain coach, that coach only had availability early in the morning. So she was now having to change her morning routine to go run, meet with the coach, get back, shower, get ready, all that stuff, and then was traveling in a bad traffic time. And so most days she could try her hardest, but she would end up being a little bit late. Being late was hard on her because of the kind of employee that she wanted to be. So then she was a little off her game. And so in just learning that, how important that running was to her, he got the keys to how to keep her motivated. So instead of giving her a bonus, a cash bonus or something like that, they worked on her schedule so that they could try to accommodate things and make it make sense for everybody. And then he bought her some really fantastic running shoes. But yeah, just learning about your employees. And again, that goes back to having those check-in conversations. You'll know what's important to them. And then you gauge your, your rewards and recognition. And that's something. Everybody wants to be recognized in some form or fashion for what they're doing. And, and so figuring that, that bit out. You guys know the five love languages? There's one for work about that sort of thing. And knowing, are they about quality time? Do they just want to spend time with their boss? Maybe that's to take them out to lunch or, hey, come in my office and have coffee. Those sorts of things. Or is it that they want the praise? I'm one of those kind of people. Give me a certificate. Give me something I can put on my wall. Bring me up to the front of the room. Make sure that everybody's clapping. That's me. Money? I, yeah, I like money, clearly, but that's not what's going to make me jump through a hoop. So you you just got to know your people. That's a huge key. Getting to know them. Mm -hmm. And they're people. They're not replaceable cogs in a wheel. They're people. I always look at them in most cases. I was that person once. What was I thinking when this guy was talking to me? So put yourself in in their spot and it's helpful Mm -hmm. getting to know them. Mm Mm-hmm. When I talk to managers and owners and things, they're like, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I don't have time for all this talking to people and having all this feedback and all this kind of stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. But I'm like, that is what we're here for. We're here to remove the obstacles so that our people can do whatever it was that we hired them for. So if we're not talking to them about what those obstacles are, how can we help them to improve? Then we're doing a disservice to our own organization. We got to change our mindset as to why we're here. And and we're here to make sure that it's easy for those people to do what it is that I need them to do. I completely agree. Changing the mindset of your entire team is, I think, where it begins. And your father. Well, changing your mindset is a pipe dream, but I still try. (laughs) 
It's like banging your head against a concrete wall. Definition of insanity. Yes. Um, I forgot to ask this question about virtual events. How successful are they for engagement and whatnot? I think if you look for some creative and clever ideas for how you can do some things virtually, and it's not always just let's all go drink coffee at the same time or, or wear a funny hat or something like that, but having some cleverness around them. And maybe it's because I'm competitive, but I've noticed that if you do something that adds a little element of competition, it increases the engagement in those kinds of events, whether you're having going off into breakout rooms and trying to solve a problem or what you can bring to show and tell or something like that. But adding a competitive effort to it, maybe it could be that you're checking in with on FaceTime or you're doing um, something on Facebook and everybody's taking a picture of themselves and then posting it with a certain hashtag and you're building that kind of engagement. There's other ways to engage remotely. The charity one is great. Yeah, love that. Love that kind of competitiveness and that you're doing something for their health. Some other things that we've gravitated to and it seemed like it got the most engagement isn't a situation when they learn something new, right? Like we're all about development. A training that's not like death by PowerPoint or somebody just talking at them, but where we can be hands-on. And it could be something that improves their work life or it could be something that's just interesting. One of the, the deals that I was part of was You guys know that charcuterie platters, whatever you want to call them, that's all the big thing, right? I'm waiting for fondue to become the big thing because I want to get my fondue pot out. But but until then, it's the charcuterie thing. So sending a little jar full of things and then they dump it out on their tray and then they arrange it. And then it's a show and tell. Look at how I made my tray. So I learned how to organize things. I learned how to make something pretty. Things like that, the doable things. Teach them about beer, teach them about wine, teach them about food. Let's cook something, but we're doing and we're talking and it's not just everybody sitting here in a little square. I think that's a great idea. Hopefully we'll be able to do more of this stuff in public, but we still have this virtual stuff in the back of our mind, especially as we grow nationally, New York and Virginia, this has given us that mindset that, wow, you can do it. You can do it, right. It has to be different. So even though we're going to get back to normal, whatever that means. But as our organization grows, we're going to have to come up with these. And COVID has made us fast forward that because we probably wouldn't have to think of it for another couple of, who knows, months or years. Now we're there. That's what I say about the COVID. It just brought the future of work to us in seven days. Like all these things that we're talking about were things that we've been talking about for years. Virtual work environments, virtual interviewing, all of these things. That was like a thing that we were talking about. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. We should really implement that. But nobody was going whole hog until COVID. And then we were like, boom, it's here today. I think for the future, it will always remain a kind of a hybrid environment. We'll go back to some things in person, but we're going to lean more heavily on the zoomy kind of stuff into the future as well. Like you said, since it made us fast forward, someone like me, brick and mortar wise, we were thinking about four years ahead, looking at buildings, potentially buying bigger space. And I don't have to anymore. I'm just going to have, as we grow, it's just going to be a CSS number one. You work this week in office, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday from home. Your partner is this person and you're going to switch every week who's in office three days and you're going to share the same desk. And that's mm-hmm. going to allow us to continue to grow, not hurt the customer base, not hurt the team member base, save a little bit of money on brick and mortar. 
and give you the flexibility to increase your hiring pool, right? Because if you're less dependent upon them actually going to a physical space, could you hire somebody on the other side of town to do some of those things? Other people who would maybe go, yeah, I'm not doing that because I don't want the commute. But now that this kind of opens up, maybe there's some New Jersey people or whatever that didn't want to fight with all of that. And now they don't have to. A hundred percent. A friend of ours here in New York hired, a, I'm going to say customer service, in Hawaii because of the six hour difference. And that person handles the phones. Also, because there's a lag at certain points, they are able to do posting was the way he explained it. Posting work. It allows for so much more of that. It's going to force us to get creative about how we deliver those things to our customer base and how much of it really has to be everybody in the same room at the same time. And we're finding out, not as much as we thought. You still need the guys who are going to go and actually do the the professional work with the customers. But do you have to have a full-blown office for them? Or can you have a warehouse distribution type thing where they go pick up their gear, pick up what they need, and then you're having your stand-up meetings by Zoom from home before they leave or something like that? What we went over today and, and your tips were communication for sure, talking to your team, definitely getting to know them. And it it comes down to interaction and relationships. We definitely learned a ton about engagement, hiring. This is the the quietest my father has been in a very long time. That's a good sign, Jill. One one thing we left out. Uh Uh-oh. Jill, thanks for getting up so early. Hey, no worries. What do the people really need to know? And any last words for us to know? So again, I'm going to go back and encourage that you're thinking about this all the time. It's not just when you need to hire that you start to to get the ball rolling, but it's a constant. It's something that you think about as much as you think about marketing your company to potential customers, you're thinking about marketing your company to the next best employee. So making sure that you have all your infrastructure built out so that you can keep it going constantly, whether you're actively looking or not but always be open to those ideas. And then you need to articulate what it is about you that makes you special and why somebody would want to join your organization. And then you need to make sure that's what people experience all the way through the process. When they first start to engage with you all the way through the interview process. And then the the point that onboarding is so critical um, to continuing that conversation. When you leave from recruiting and moving into the idea of retention, that is bridged by how you onboard onboard the person, how you demonstrate what it was that you promised during the recruiting process, how you bring that to life for them, and then you carry it on throughout the life of that employee. Were you writing something down over there, Skunjil? I'm taking notes. Oh, nice. I always did that. You just (laughs) noticed it now. Listen, Jill, if I had to be taking notes, it speaks volumes to what we've learned. Okay. I took a lot of notes here. Yeah. I know. You, well, I saw you doing it a few times. But again, Jill Chapman from Insperity, professional employment organization. We are having an amazing experience with them. I think you've, if you listen today, you'll understand why. I just want to say thank you again, Jill. Looking forward to speaking with you more. As mentioned in social media and all our posts, This is the beginning of a great relationship and series to help with team engagement. All thing that you need and don't even know you need. For Mr. America here to be taking notes, (laughs) there's got to be more than a couple of gems in here for you if he's taking notes. Absolutely. The one thing I can't hang up, I can't get off until I, there's a beautiful lamp 
over Jill's right shoulder. And I've, I've been like, wow, that's a really nice lamb. Wait, way to stay focused on what's happening here, looking off into the sunset. Joe, I look at the big picture. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was great talking to you. Not only was it informative, but it was fun. And Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea, Ed Sheehan for Colony Confidential. Had a great interview today with Jill Chapman. I hope you play it and play it often because there's a lot of gems here. Mr. and Mrs. America, until we meet again, stay safe and God bless you. It's Joey Buns, the brains, the fisherman, if you will, for reeling that in all the time. Great episode today with Jill Chapman from Insperity. Check them out, insperity.com. Hit us up, DM us, Colony Confidential. Ask us anything you want to know about Insperity. We have good experience. We can help you. We can put you in touch with the right people. Stay tuned for more on Insperity because we're going to keep up this great partnership. Thank you again, Jill. I really enjoyed our time together and happy to help in any way, shape, or form. Thank you so much. Enjoy Hawaii while I go chop some ice over there. Right. (laughs) We don't have to shovel sunshine. Oh, my goodness. All right. Take care. Don't forget, if you want to find out more about how Insperity can help you in your business and alleviate those headaches, Give them a call at 844-942-3259. That's 844-942-3259. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe and review. Send us anything you want us to know about at colonyconfidential at gmail.com.